LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Derek Hanna. Thanks for joining us on The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, this is the first episode of a three-week series we're doing on burnout. One of the things that Australia has been experiencing and the world has been experiencing in the last couple of years is the impact of COVID and isolation. And for those who are leading churches and leading ministries, uh, as with other people, the impact has been significant of that. But often the impact of COVID and of these kind of moments and disasters and traumas isn't felt at the time when we feel like we can hold it together. But often 12, 18 months later, with us being around that 18 month post the beginning of the pandemic, as well as a lot of Australia at this point being back in lockdown, uh, now is a a point which we realise a lot of church leaders are feeling tired, uh, possibly feeling burnout. So we've put together this three-week series to help you understand burnout and to help you hopefully take some steps to either avoiding being burnt out or if you're feeling like you are burning out, uh, to heading it off at the pass. Uh, We've got a special guest on for the first two episodes, Dr. Jonathan Andrews. So let's listen to his first episode today on burnout. So you're a clinical psychologist. Yeah. You've written a book which you will reference. I've been reading. It was I said to John just before this uh, in my recent uh, quarantine. It was the one book I had. Uh, <laughs> it's been recently released. It's called The Reconnected Heart, and I'll put a, a link in the show notes to it. The concept of burnout that we're talking about in these two conversations is just one one thing that you work with. You work with a lot of people in ministry. You do a lot of um, uh, helping assess or inform people who are going into ministry about things they need to work on or work out prior to going in and as they work in. Do you define for us, because burnout seems to be a really vague topic. It's quite a broad term used for a whole number of things. Um, Can you talk to us just initially, uh, define burnout for us and talk about the symptoms you're looking for when you're talking to people um, to indicate they might be approaching burnout or in burnout. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the most salient feature and the one that would would be probably part of all experiences of all of us who have had burnout is we just feel exhausted. I, I guess that this is one of the um, misconceptions that you first see about it is uh, that is all it is. Mm. Um, because you get a funny picture with burnout um, uh, when we think it's just about lack of energy, people understandably uh, respond to it in a way where they go, well, I need some time off. And that seems understandable and quite logical to me. Uh, I have no uh, significant re- reservations about that. Um, but the puzzle emerges when you see someone who's taken you know, six weeks off because they're burnt out and they come back and they're still not recovered. Mm-hmm. And they still complain about, you know, feeling weary or that sort of stuff. Um, they talk about being overworked and, you know, being stressed. And uh, But, again, you get this other puzzle where I was speaking to someone just the other night. He said that he had a 1,000 emails about a particular topic mm. that he was dealing with. And I said, well, how do you feel about that? And uh, the impression, the distinct impression that you got from him is he feels fine. Um, so here's someone who's overworked and he feels fine and you get other people who 
uh, working quite hard and then they take a whole chunk of time off and they still feel exhausted. Yeah. So the the salient feature of burnout is one of exhaustion, but there is more to it. So I guess that's one of the most common misconceptions that you see is that's all people. That that's that's all we think it is. So more than just exhaustion. Yeah. <clears throat> There's something else going on yeah. with how people are processing yeah. life. The two other things that you see that are probably the cardinal features of it are some sort of, um, I guess in a way, cynicism or some sort of, sort of uh, dissociative sort of stuff, hmm. uh, almost like a sense of detachment from themselves, a sense of detachment from their work, hmm. uh, from people. Um and you, but also, and this is the curious thing, uh, some lack of efficacy, like a lack of impact. So the reason why my friend, the friend who I just mentioned, who'd got a thousand emails, mm. um, he wasn't fatigued, I think because he knows he makes impact. Mm. Um, so, and that's one of the safeguards about it. Um, even I had to do some week, uh, some work last weekend, um, but I don't, going back to work on the Monday, I mean, it's not an ideal scenario working on, on the weekend, but I got back to work on the Monday and I just noticed that I felt fine. I didn't feel resentful. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's because of, you know, efficacy. Like, you know, I, I knew I could do what was in front of me. I completed what I did and I felt, you know, felt like it was a pretty good contribution to, yeah. to the person that I was trying to serve. So, yeah, uh, so it's about these, it's core feature and the, the the salient feature that we all know about has to do with fatigue. But there are other things like cognitions or detachment um, from yourself and a degree of cynicism, but also this sort of lack of impact mm. that we have. That's helpful. So it's more than, so exhaustion um, is not all there is. There's something about purpose in there as well that Absolutely. you're talking about. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, feeling like, the, so the lack of impact um can you talk us a little bit about um, purpose within that? How does that and, and yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the most common things that you see is because of that lack of impact. It, it goes. You see uh, that the the difficulty goes deeper than uh, just too much work because uh, often what you see is kind of like a, a, a misalignment between the values that someone has as as a person and the institution that they're in. So, um, you know, you, uh, in a particular church, the, the stated value is, you know, this where something to do with Jesus, of mm. course, and rightly so. And this is good, but in practice, um, you know, it may represent something slightly different, like this, we work really hard, we're available at all times. Right, so the vision statement is uh, uh, love God, yep. love others, love our community, yep. um, but the internal culture is yep. there's a roster that needs to be filled, yep. get on it. And uh, in practice it reads, or in parentheses, we flog ourselves yeah. to get this job yeah. done. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, now there, therein represents a slight misalignment with values, particularly for maybe the ones that are quite prone to burnout. So some of the ministry, uh, people in ministry who I see are at a particular time in life where they've got young kids, they're fully aware that their partner is lifting a load. Uh, and, of course, they these are really decent people and they want to spend time uh, connecting with their kids. Um, 
and growing and sharing in their lives and mm. stuff. But the amount of work hours is compromising them and the values are now out of sync mm. uh, because, you know, often senior ministry staff have had their their own kids progress in life and, you know, they take their, their kids take one step outside their family home. Um, so they're not in the same space and you get this values misalignment because the younger staff are valuing time with their family but the senior staff may not be valuing mm. time with their family so much. Yeah, yeah. So I want to I want, do want to come back to to hear um, a few examples you're seeing of people in ministry because you'll, you'll I know you see a lot of people who are are in ministry. I do in reading your book. There's this as I was reading through it. There's this great graph on connectedness mm. um, in there that um, I was mentioning to you before. Mm. And so most of the people that I work with that Geneva Push and Rich Australia works yeah. with are people who are uh, leading churches, guys who are leading churches or leading ministries. And they are often in that 30 to 50 age group. Not yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so even that 25 to 50 age group. Yeah, yeah. But they're doing, they're leading at a high level. They're leading significant ministries with significant stress yeah. um, or through significant change periods. Yeah. And so the hours they're working are often quite hard. The, the yeah. environments they're working in, in are stressful. This graph, though, um, talks about the connectedness of people, not in ministry necessarily. This is yeah. just connectedness. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Connectedness of people to others at different stages of life. Yeah, yeah. And what it seems to show is that in those age groups that I just described then, yeah. that is when all society is the lowest. So my the thing I took away from reading that graph was um, I'm, I'm working with and talking with people who are at a stage of life where the job itself, ministry, often – pulls you out of those connected, yeah. energising relationships. Yeah. On top of that, yeah. this graph in your book seems to show that um, just in general, that's compounded by the fact that people in that age group are also disconnected. So yeah, there's right. a double whammy there yeah, yeah. Um, of job yeah. and stage of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and age. Yeah. yeah. And gender as well. I think that comes out of the graph, doesn't it? That's right. So men, yeah. Yeah, so men maybe more. And this brings us back to previous conversations that you and I have had. It's not unusual to... Sit with a young guy and you say, listen, who who do you get on with? Who do you have rapport with? Who do you laugh with? And they'll say something like, you know, Tony. And you go, that's great. You know, what do you like about Tony? Oh, man, we laugh. You know, we play tennis. It's just, it's just I really enjoy his company. And you say, well, that's great. And how often you catch up with Tony? And and this particular person might say something like, uh, well, you, know, well, you know, every now and again, you know, every now and again. You go, hey, how much? How often? I go, okay, six weeks, uh, two months. Okay, right. Okay, and when was the last time you saw Tony? He goes, two thousand and seven. Okay, I get the picture. I get the picture. So, and how do you know Tony? Oh, I went to Bible college with. Him. Mm. Now this is just not sustainable. Yeah. That limited amount of the limited dose here. You got to see. We're to see connectedness as, as a dosage. And if, if the dosage of connection is underdone, then uh, you just won't receive the benefit at all. Mm. Um, in one part of the book, I talk about antibiotics and it's akin to antibiotics. And we've got to have it in our system and we've got to build it into our system. So we've got to have connections with our partners. We've got to have connections with our kids. We've got to have connections with friends. We've got to have connections with God. We've got to have connection with our bosses. 
Um, and when we're dosing up on that, then we'll, it's a bit like antibiotics, you'll feel it mm. at a particular point. Um, because it's incredibly soothing and blows away so much inflammation in our system. But if you underdo it, uh, then you will not, you, you, won't, you won't get that soothing. You'll be left with a stack of inflammation. So what's that? Um, uh, that's interesting. So the impact of COVID on what you've just said there mm, yeah. is profound, isn't it? Because that soothing hasn't been able to happen in this environment as much exactly as it could right. be. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so what? So have you seen that with people you're talking to that the yeah, impact yeah. of COVID and disconnection, even masks and stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is, uh, it, and you and I have had conversations about this as well. It. it in my experience, and of course, you know, my experience may be typical uh, and indicative, but it's it might it is my experience, so it may be limited. But I haven't had a glut of people come to the clinic being hypochondriacal about germs. Mm. I mean, it still does happen, but it happens no more than it did two years ago. Um, but what has happened is a glut of people who present with more of the same. So there are more people with depression and more people with anxiety. Mm. I don't think this is related to COVID, but it's only indirectly related to COVID insofar as uh, the thing that would normally soothe us has been tremendously compromised. So the thing that soothes us, of course, is connected. This is a rapport between people and always the picture is of that and you see it in action is parents with little kids and toddlers we get emotional we get upset what do we do we reach they they reach up to us and we reach down to them and we hold them and we speak to them in tones that are just gentle and we reassure them you're going to be okay Mm. and we and we hold them and we touch them now so many of those things have just gone out the window Mm. Um, I was sharing with you before I came, even in small ways, those things have gone out the window. So when I went to the shop uh, to grab some bread before I came here, the guy I was talking to had a mask on and I, I, don't, I don't know if he was smiling. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Um, but I suspect he may have been, but I just didn't know it. Mm. And that little dosage of connection and warmth just has gone missing. Mm. So the soothing has gone missing. Uh, so we're in a time where, and particularly particularly uh, for the group that we're now talking about, like mid-30s, there are all these overlaying things that are making things difficult. Uh, one is, of course, the age group. Two is because of gender. Three is because the sort of job that they're doing might require a lot of hours and high expectations. But lastly, quarantine mm. and COVID mm. and stuff. Yeah. So it's a t- it's not easy. Yeah, it's good. I've got one last question. We're gonna and this is really leading into the next episode. We're gonna yep. we're gonna record in this because could you just talk to us a little bit about the connection between the, the yeah the connection between connection and purpose here? Because a lot of the guys in ministry they do have a sense of calling and purpose with what they do. Yep. Um, uh, but connection is so much a part of, and so purpose can help you get through hard times. Yeah. Um, but connection seems to be a massive part of that as well. Yeah. Uh, what can you just describe the connection between those two things, connection and purpose? Yeah, yeah. I, I think when you share a purpose with someone, the connection's automatically going to be a lot easier to establish. 
But if people are in a situation where the church or the institution that they're in uh, has some sort of misalignment with their own you know, purpose or their own state of values, then you get a compromised connection um, and because of that misalignment. So uh, it, it ends up with this deeper sense for a lot of people of not belonging. Um, so their role, they may, they may, uh, so they have this sort of presenteeism. So they, they sort of turn up and they do their job, mm. um, not, not in any sort of vigorous sort of way, but they do their job and they're present. But part of the reason why they have that sort of vacant sort of experience on their face is because their purpose isn't exactly aligned. Uh, to their current environment and because of that their connection gets compromised and they they may not feel like their role is valued so now you've got this uh, curious mix of um, not really like not really feeling like you're belonging not really feeling like you are you know hitting your own purpose in that environment Mm. and because of that lacking any impact that you think is is meaningful and your petrol's coming out of your tank. Mm. So at a heart level, it's just, uh, it's not a pretty picture. And it's kind of serious as well because burnout is often uh, a predictor of future hospitalizations and cardiac events. So it's potentially serious as it also is a predictor of future antidepressant use. Mm. So it's not, it's not something that's ever sustainable mm. for people. So that lack of connection and the lack of purpose in an environment um, uh, can lead not only to burnout in that, but you know, car- you mentioned cardiac events, yeah. events and uh, depression, yeah, yeah. anxiety. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so connection is huge within that in order yeah. to provide a context, a positive context for purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, avoiding burnout. Um, but uh, there are other things as well that are, are worth mentioning, like, uh, you know, uh, connection. In the book, I talk about three-way connection, mm. the remedy is in three-way connection. It's a, it's a prescription for how to rebuild a heart. And the three points of connection are connect with yourself, connect with others, and connect with God. Mm. And you can see the, the need to do this um, it, it, when you sort of, turn the um, the definition of burnout inside out. Like if you were to think of well, what's the antonym, what's the what's the complete opposite or the negative Im- image of burnout, you might think of, well, someone who's invigorated, someone who's on top of things, someone who's got the sense of drive, um, someone who's someone who's quite, you know, alive in some mm. sense. Um, but when you when you see the burnout picture, you see uh, someone who's disconnecting from themselves, mm. and it's sort of like a meh state. It's a lot of uh, an ex- you see there are two there are two steps in when you analyze well, the the initial two steps when you assess depression are the presence of something bad, so sadness, tears. And the absence of something good from a mood perspective, which is the absence or the compromising of positive emotion. Now, when someone gets, uh, when someone suffers burnout, you don't automatically see uh, the presence of sadness, but you do see a lot of the absence of positive feelings. Mm. So they come across as anhedonic. They come across as they're not experiencing much joy or laughter. They're just kind of flat. 
in neutral. Mm. And what happens there, of course, is that they end up, uh, the distress is coming out for them physically in a way. They're lacking energy. and But one of the connection points has to be to connect with themselves because they're not. Mm. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, why, why do I feel this way? And That's good. That's a, Those three things are exactly what we're going to talk about in the next episode. Okay. So let me put you on the spot for your very first one thing. What's the one thing you want people to take away from this conversation that we've had today? I think that uh, burnout is uh, significant. It should be taken seriously. Uh, but low levels of energy isn't the only thing that you need to attend to. Mm. That's brilliant. brilliant. Thanks, Jono. Look forward to chatting next time. Right. Thank you for having me. Well, that was our first episode in a three-week series we're doing on burnout. Can I encourage you, if you're listening to this, wondering whether you're in that position of burnout, can I encourage you, your next step is to talk to someone. Uh, if you don't have someone who's a professional who you feel you can talk to, contact us. We've got people across Australia who we know who we can recommend you to. So please don't hesitate to reach out for this. All the books and references we mentioned in the episode Uh, including Jono's book, is in the show notes, so check that out. An excellent place to start. We want to see you be healthy as you pursue the calling that God has placed on your heart to care for his people, uh, to reach the lost. And so we're hoping you'll join us next week as Jono explores those three areas of connectedness, connected to God, connected to others, and connected to yourself. Thanks for joining us on The One Thing. I'll speak next week.